0: Welcome to the Data for Betterment podcast, Reimagine Hybrid Work, with your host, Maribel Lopez. Maribel is the founder of the Data for Betterment Foundation and Lopez Research. The Data for Betterment Foundation is a nonprofit organization that helps individuals understand and prepare for how their career will change as companies embrace new technologies. Lopez Research, a market research and strategy consulting firm, helps companies understand how technologies such as connected devices, collaboration, cloud computing, and AI change the customer and employee experience. The firm's clients range from startups to global corporations, including 10 of the Fortune 30. She's also the author of the highly regarded business book on how those technologies are transforming the company, employee, and customer experience, right time experiences, published by Wiley. She's also a frequent public speaker at corporate events and contributor at Forbes.com. Maribel is currently researching and writing her next book on how to build successful strategies for workplace transformation. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hi, I'm here today with Bill Baver, the VP of NTT Smart Realty. Hey, Bill, welcome to the
2: podcast. How are you, Maribel? Good to see you again.
1: One of the things that we've been talking about in this world of reimagining hybrid work is IoT is not a new concept, but I think after COVID a lot of organizations started to say, "Hey, maybe we should dust off some of our IoT strategies and see What we can do to enable more remote monitoring, control of infrastructure, new contactless use cases. There's just a myriad of things that organizations are looking at right now. And I know that you and I had spent some time before this discussing what was going on with the concept of smart platforms in and around IoT? And I've spent a lot of time in Las Vegas, and it's a very tech-forward city. And apparently you spent a lot of time in Las Vegas as well, helping it become a very tech-forward city. So maybe we could spend a minute talking about how we saw Las Vegas approaching becoming a smarter city what some of the challenges and opportunities were around that, but just level set us with what they were trying to do at the outset. And then maybe we can talk about how those
2: things have changed in a post COVID world. You're right. We found a a great partner in uh, the city of Las Vegas and uh, their CIO, chief information officer and innovation officer, Michael Sherwood. Las Vegas does a lot of proof of concepts and pilots around how to test technology and become a smarter city. And what we worked with them on was really the data side of what they were doing and creating a data platform to ingest a lot of things that they could look at and and gather data around for the betterment of the citizen and the betterment of the city. And and we really honed in on trying to make that work across multiple areas. So around crowds, around car movement, around people movement of things, then figure out tendencies, where people were going, and and really for the betterment of the citizen to to what they were doing. So we really focused and Las Vegas really focused on how to come up with new ways of analyzing the information and look at predictions of where people might be doing things and turn it into a smarter way to to provide services for the city and make the city more valuable in in situational awareness and, and overall about That service side of what they're using and where they should go or how they should use them in the future.
1: So you talked about ingesting data. Can you give me some examples of the type of data that needs to be ingested to create the smart city? Is it traffic cameras, street lights, what sorts of things?
2: So it's really around, we like to call them optical sensors that are ways that people observe what's going on in an environment, as well as sound sensors as well as traffic counts, vehicle counts of things, and how the environment reacts to it. And the environment being, it could be a traffic situation where a car goes a wrong way down a one-way street. It could be around some of their park areas of what people are using in the parks. And it's ways that that data is, is observed through those sensors. And then I know from a, a, an edge processing situation is to not not collect personal information, but just the metadata to give them insights to what's going on. And that's really how they ingest the information. We also look at weather data and historical data that can help bring insights to that in data sets that they might not have normally thought of in the past. So it's really an important way to say what influences actions and what actions can they take with a more data-centric decision process than a gut feel or historical feel. We always turn that data back to the user, the smart people in the city that know the operations, but now they have a better view, a more closer to a 360 degree view of what is going on that they might not always see. They might have blind spots to those uh, if they just go off of one part of data that they're looking at.
1: So are we at the point now where the employees of the city of Las Vegas can have a set of data that they are all leveraging and looking at and acting upon?
2: For certain areas and certain use cases, absolutely. So they can look at that and make some decisions around that. And I say certain areas because people sometimes try to tackle the problem or the the opportunity of a, a smart city, a smart environment by thinking it's the whole city. We talk about it in pilot areas that can then grow into many more areas. So just one section of a street, one park area that they look at. Those are are ways to become smarter. And then access to that, the city owns the data. They're the steward of the data for the citizen. And they can make their decisions off of that and then just keep it protected in that, that light for them as they make that decision.
1: You know, I want to circle back because one of the things that you said, actually several of the things you said are very important. The first being that to maintain privacy, you're looking at things that are more obfuscated or a higher level. And I think that's very important so that people know you can have a smart city, but you can also maintain a certain level of privacy with that. The second thing that you mentioned that I think is really powerful and that hasn't been done by a lot of organizations yet, and that's that concept of Bridging your own internal data silos, but actually starting to leverage third-party data and marrying those two to create new and enhanced experiences. So I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us to take our data analytics and services to the next level by integrating the right third-party data. And then you mentioned something else that I think is really important from a strategic standpoint, and that's this concept of you start with a project. It could be, as you mentioned, a park, a set of streets. You use that POC to try to figure out the boundaries of what needs to happen, but then you can expand it. It's sort of the land and expand concept taken to a smarter city. And once you build a platform and you find one use case, you can start to leverage more use cases on it. So all that is is fabulous. And I wanted to ask you a question about, obviously Las Vegas is pretty progressive in terms of how they're doing these things, but did they have to have a set of business use cases that they were trying to play out, or did they just have a certain amount of leeway to say,
2: we want to experiment and see what we can do? Actually, our partner was uh, Dell and that the work with them there. With Las Vegas sat down and looked at business value to start. We approached it from a business decision, and it really started with, they had some technology backbone in their innovation zone of the city, so they, they had higher level technology we could start with. And for their proof of concepts, that was a big thing because usually the technology companies are trying to test things to come up with a value. We quickly moved it to a pilot situation that says, we have the technology figured out. We understand what that level is. And now you can go to different sections of the city with with the city personnel. And they, they, the city came up with we have this issue in parks we wanna see. We have this traffic intersection we wanna see what's going on. And a lot of times it's, it starts with, we know there's a problem. We don't know the full extent of the problem. We send a person out to look at it, uh, cars going the wrong way, or count traffic at an intersection, or how many people are going into a park, but they're only there for certain times of the day. We can install it, give them a better understanding of a baseline, of what they're doing. And then they make their decision. And then not only make their decisions of changing the operations, but then what are the results that come out after that? And that was a really important part for the city to understand how they should adjust their actions and then react quickly if it didn't have the intended results of what they wanted. So some of those business process changes were real important and and they could do it in a way that was in small pockets. It was in ways to see some results first, and then adjust, and then figure out how that adapts to the rest of the city environment and stay in continuing growth option for them, opportunity for them as they they get in there to make decisions even better, because it's data-driven decisions is the concept they go after.
1: Perfect. And I love this concept of data-driven decisions. And I think every organization is actually trying to move towards that in their own way and probably a bit faster now in the post-COVID world. Now, I imagine that this wasn't all happy sunshine for Las Vegas and that there might've been some challenges that they had to work through to get this up and running and to start to see some value. What was your experience with them
2: in that? One of the things that cities that have some technology there or are looking to get technology goes through a challenge of making sure they collect data in a safe way and they collect data that is valuable for citizens. They don't look at it in a way that that is hurtful, but it's really to provide better services. So they spend a lot of time making sure that they fit within the policies that they had, they adhered to the policies of the data gathering, and that they, they really had the underlying technology to support that it wasn't to change it, but to support that. And what they really wanted to do was make sure that they installed things in a way that continued that trust with the citizen as they go through the process. And the one big challenge was just making sure we picked the right use cases, we picked the right sensitivity to data collection, and then also that we got things installed properly because we had to work within the city environment to do the installation and make sure that the equipment was installed properly. So that was a little bit of the challenge. And it always takes a little longer with the city than, than you know otherwise. So those were a couple of challenges on timeline. But other than that, it's a partnership as we went through and keeping the focus on the business solution as well as citizen results.
1: I think one of the great things that we're seeing now is that people are moving out of the concept of a POC for POC and are actually moving into this concept of, I've got a specific type of business value I'm trying to generate with this, and I'm using the technology to prove that we can get to that. And then if you can do that, it actually allows you the foundation to say, I can roll out and deploy this technology and I can get a business use case out of it, but then I can start to add additional value on it on top of that. And I wanted to ask you about, we're past the original phases of COVID, not quite out of the woods yet, as they say, but wanted to ask you how this type of platform enabled Las Vegas to respond to a crisis such as COVID.
2: So one thing you hit on that really was the foundation was the value that they get out of the data. We really kept the focus on what is the the value for the city and the citizen. And and that was an important part because they didn't have to do a full-blown implementation. They could do it in sections, and therefore they kept it very cost-efficient for the city and see the results. And because of that, they were able to create what we call a force multiplier of their employees. And with COVID coming in, they really started to see how do we monitor the emergency personnel were called into really strategic uh, emergency type support for safety of the citizens, you know, moving where they were going to hospitals or emergency care, and they weren't able to go as much to some of the parks where people may have gathered and they wanted to still provide a safe environment for uh, people that could get out. Were they getting out safely? Were they proving they were getting out safely? And could they look at the services they were still getting as they started to get into those those phases of COVID where you could actually go out into a, a park area? And this has helped them come into that force multiplier of observing more areas with some sensors and with some rules to say they're using it properly. They may not play a message for them to keep reminding them to use it properly. And if needed, they can look at the situation before they actually go over to and running around to go see it they can they can be more efficient when they go there, so that was really an important part for them to be that efficient force multiplier of the the staff, so the staff could focus in other areas that were were critical to the health nature side of what was going on from that environment,
1: yeah. That's one example of how we've taken something that was designed for one thing and used it for another. When you speak to Las Vegas, are they seeing other opportunities that they're looking at in the future with this technology?
2: They are. Not just using that technology to to see value in a park. They're trying to say, well, what are the services the, the citizens use in the park? Do they use a basketball court? Do they use a tennis court? Do they use equipment? And then they can look at the service they have to do with that or the maintenance they need to do with that as they go. And and then with the COVID situation, it was, are they even going there? So while we were looking at it to say, what was the percentage of people there? Are they using that park? Is it the same type of people coming to the park? Are they using playground equipment? Was there a turnover in that neighborhood that they should change? That same technology is there. And now we're even looking in their buildings to say, Are they giving their employees the same level of comfort of, hey, we say we're supposed to be at 50% occupancy or 25%. Can we see that at the same time? So it's the same technology, just a different environment, but it's the same technology, similar use case, just configured a little different. And that's how they're leveraging the, the capabilities in multiple areas.
1: See, I love it. This is the adaptability, the flexibility that we've always been talking about with creating these kind of platforms and putting them into multiple use cases. And it's great to see that there's actually a municipality that's doing that. I imagine that all municipalities, when you go out and talk to them, are different. Do you have any other examples you'd like to share of what types of things different cities, countries are doing?
2: Absolutely. I mean, you're right. There's a different configuration always for each and a variation, but we think the platform, the data ingestion, and then the standardization of it, or normalization, and then analyzing the analytics side of it is really important. So we're working with a public transportation company in Australia that is starting to get ready for giving citizens comfort in knowledge of how crowded transportation activities are, you know, buses, trams, trains. So they know, can I go out and use it? Should I go out and use it? Making the decision available for them. And they're really starting to look at crowds of people on platforms, how many people are going on a train, what direction they're going on a a bus, a tram, and, and sharing that information back for their operations folks. So as they come out, they then share that to the citizen So it becomes more of a closed loop environment of all of those people knowing what's happening and and they make decisions of, okay, I can go on this transport Avenue. And the transportation company is very interested because they're worried people aren't going to come back at all because they want to use their car. And now they start creating new problems for the environment, for the citizen with traffic. But if they can give them that comfort and see, So they're looking at that to start. We're, we're doing that for them to, to start now and hoping that it'll keep snowballing for everybody to say they, they understand better, they have more informed knowledge, and it's a safe knowledge that it's a, a safe value for the citizen to make that decision rather than go out and look and now you might be compromised or not confident in what you're seeing. So there's two great things
1: about that. One, I think that we're talking about having the availability for at least two different types of users right the end consumer of the product and also the businesses that are providing it and the employees that are providing it so i think that's extremely powerful that they're they're working off of the same source of data then i think the second thing that is really interesting about that is we have talked for years about this concept of delivering a right time experience, or at least I have, uh, right information, right person, right time. And this is a good example of how we're finally getting together the data, the analytics, and the delivery models so that that can actually happen. Bill, you've been working with a lot of different companies and Cities And I'm wondering if you have any advice for people that are looking at doing IoT
2: moving forward in this new hybrid work marketplace. Yes. And I think our biggest advice is get started somehow. Be conscious of policy, be conscious of of constraints. But if you don't start, even in a small way, with a a pilot, a, a way to expand, then you're going to keep falling further behind. One thing we have noticed with the COVID situation is the people that the environments that had data in place or programs, they're, they're continuing to go. Those who have it aren't and the divide is coming bigger. So you really have to get started somehow, no matter how small.
1: Thanks for your great insight, Bill. It's been a pleasure talking to you. If somebody wanted to reach out and get a deeper
2: understanding of what we've been talking about, is there a good place to reach you? Best place would be through LinkedIn at uh, William Baver on there. And I work for NTT and you can contact me through there directly. So I really appreciate the opportunity as well. This has been enjoyable. Thanks for your time and insight.